This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, we'll preview the West Virginia boys basketball playoff field uh, with some help from our guys at Metro News. We'll hear from Hampshire girls coach Julianne Buckley as her team takes the floor tonight with a trip to the state tournament on the line. The Cardinals uh, do some yard work against the Nationals. Uh, In case you haven't noticed, uh, Steph Curry is going off for Golden State and some rare soccer talk. No, I won't be doing the talking because I don't know anything about soccer. But apparently, some Super League is forming in Europe. And uh, we'll have some people on here We'll hear from the ESPN experts because, again, I have no idea what's going on. But a lot of people were talking about it, so I figured, eh, it's worth mentioning. So all that stuff right there and more coming up uh, in the next two hours uh, of the show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another Essential work day. What is this now? Like essential work day number uh, 3,476. That's what it feels like anyway. Several ways to get involved on the show. Check out our Twitter pages at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. I wonder if, you know, we are creatures of habit, right? We generally do the same things every day. So I wonder if uh, people who get up in the morning and tune into this show on a regular basis at this time, shortly after 7 o'clock. I wonder if they get as tired of me running down this list as I do of saying it. (laughs) I mean, I have to do it. I have to run down the list because there are several ways to get involved on the show. There are several ways to reach out and communicate. Maybe I should just mix them up. Instead of going Twitter, Facebook, phone number, podcast page, maybe I should just, you know, mix up the order, little variety. Because I feel like I say the same thing every day. Because I do when it comes to this stuff right here. Anyway, where did I leave off? Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio, taking your calls on the rush line. 301-759-2628, 301-759-2628, your chance to dial and dance, shamo, 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. Download that app to your phone or tablet or other such device. And we upload every show every day on our podcast page, minus the commercials. We just shrink it all up for you. We condense it, compact it. 
And if you missed any uh, prior shows, previous shows, whatever, it's all right there for you to listen to at your convenience. All right. Now that that is out of the way again, uh, let's once again kick off the show with the Rock Around the Region. I want to rock! And we start in Major League Baseball where the Cardinals did some yard work at Nationals Park. So it's DeYoung at the plate and the pitch. That ball is hit high in the air to left field. It's back to the track, to the wall. Slammer! Paul DeYoung has hit his second home run of the game. A big fly. Paul DeYoung and the Cardinals tack on four more. My goodness, did that ball carry. The call on KMOX, for the record, I did not add that music underneath. Uh, that was from the ESPN National feed. Uh, nothing I can do about it. Although it did add something to it, I think. Five home runs for St. Louis. Two by Paul DeYoung, including that grand slam, as the Cards beat down the Nationals 12-5 to take the first game of their three-game set. Washington starter Joe Ross gave up four of the home runs. He lasted just four and a third innings, giving up ten runs on eight hits and three walks. Game two of the, uh, game two of the series, he said in English, is tonight uh, getting off to a great start. Eight and a half minutes in, and I already tripped over my tongue once. Hopefully that'll be the only time. Although... I doubt it. Game two tonight. Catch the game right here on this very station. Uh, Pirates and Orioles off last night. Bucks open a three-game series tonight at Detroit. The O's are also on the road, uh, opening up at Miami. In the NBA, don't look now, but the Wizards are back in playoff contention. Bounce pass, though. Cutting Beal gets under the basket. Right corner, Neto. Back out in front of Westbrook for three. Oh, it's there. Oh, it's there. That ball went around the world. And in the basket, 114-105. Wizards, a giant DC three with 3.38 to go. Oh, it's there. It's there. I love that guy. I love him. Uh, the call on Federal News Radio. Bradley Beal had 30 points. Russell Westbrook. His 26th triple-double of the year in a 119-107 win over OKC in D.C. Westbrook went for 13 points, 17 assists, and 11 rebounds. Davis Bertans had 21 points for the Wizards, who have won five straight and seven of their last eight games. Washington is now just four and a half games out of a playoff spot in the East. In girls' high school basketball tonight, we'll get more into this uh, later on in the show, Kaiser and Hampshire are both in action with spots in the state tournament on the line. Kaiser on the road to face undefeated North Marion in one region co-final, while Hampshire will host Weir. Uh, the Trojans are 10-4 this season. Weir has a losing record at 6-9. and And again, later in the show, we'll hear from Hampshire head coach uh, Julianne Buckley. In boys' section action tonight in Quad A, Preston is at University. In Double A, Moorfield is at Petersburg. And in Single A, East Hardy is hosting Union. Harmon is at undefeated Pendleton County. And Pocahontas County is at Tigers Valley. And tonight on the ice, the Penguins are hosting the Devils. New Jersey 
has lost six straight games. And that is your Rock Around the Region, brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. So a lot to get to today. A lot of different topics, subjects, and whatnot. Again, get involved on anything we talk about or anything you want to bring up. 301-759-2628. I think we'll table the high school uh, hoops talk until the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, we'll start with some uh, NBA. All right, And look, we here on the East Coast have a tendency to not pay attention <laughs> to anything that happens west of the Mississippi River. Right? If it's West Coast, it kind of gets lost because we're usually in bed before most of those games start, right? So it wouldn't shock me or surprise me that a lot of people don't know that Steph Curry has simply been just going off for Golden State recently. I mean, an historic run. Curry had 49 points. 20 in the fourth quarter. And last night's 107-96 win over the East-leading 76ers. Curry has now scored at least 30 points in 11 straight games. Becoming the first player in NBA history 33 years or older to accomplish that feat. He broke the record of the late, great Kobe Bryant, who scored at least 30 in 10 straight way back in December of 2002. Last night, Steph hit 10 of 17 from three-point range, and he's drained 54 threes in the last six games. What's the math on that? What is six into 54? I feel like I should know this. Is it nine? Is that what it is? I'm so bad at math. I need my son here. It is nine. So he is averaging... Nine three-pointers a game over the last six. That's amazing. He caught up with, he talked with ESPN's Lisa Salters. There is uh, number two of the day. I should keep track one day of how many times I trip over my own tongue. That's two in the first 13 minutes. Anyway, he talked with ESPN's Lisa Salters after last night's dominance. Steph, 49 points tonight. You made 10 threes, and yet you're upset. Tell me why. I got poked in the eye, and I missed that free throw. I knew I wanted it. It was a a gift at the end, but uh, we played our our butts off tonight um, all the way through. Obviously, shorthanded. We know they had some guys missing, too, but, um, you know, coming off a tough, you know, game in Boston, Turn back around and win a game like we did tonight with the start that we had was huge. So everybody contributed. Uh, we know how tough Joel is, and it was a uh, it was a fun game for us. How big does the bucket look to you right now? If I get some space, um, you know, it's all confidence. You know, glory to God that I'm healthy, even with the ankle, just to be out here and play. And like I said, it's it's something I work on, you know, every single day. And uh, you know, when you get a, in a rhythm like this, this is when it's you know the most fun. Because all that work is paying off, and, and uh, you know the confidence is earned. And so that is something that, uh, that I'm proud of. You mentioned the bad start that the team got off to. You started 0 for 6. Were you thinking, oh, maybe this is going to be that off night that's got to be coming? Nah, I've, I've started off worse and still felt like the next shot's you know, going in. And 
Like, again, all you need is one, to, you know, to go in and, 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 and then, you know, see the ball go through the net, and that's when, you know, things can get uh, – can kind of turn in your favor. So uh, I never doubt, you know, what's next, um, what, you know, the next shot or anything like that. There's no hesitation. There can't be. It's too many games, too many possessions. You've got to stay, stay with it. You and Draymond, you've been together nine, nine years. It seemed like you two decided to take over the game down the stretch. Just describe the chemistry between you two. It's, it's developed over, like you said, nine years. And uh, for us to be in a situation, even with uh, you know, new, new guys, young guys, uh, we're all developing, trying to build our total team chemistry. But you know, we have our certain pet plays that we don't really need to say anything. We know where to be. Um, you know, he made two good finishes in fourth, you know, set some great screens. Um, you know, throwing Loon in, in there, uh, you know, battling Joel all night. So uh, being in playoff atmospheres and, and, you know, the experience that we've gained over, you know, these, these amount of years pays off in, in nice like tonight. He started off 0 for 6 last night and still dropped 49. That is what uh, we always talk about, having a shooter's mentality, right? Even if you get off to a bad start, you have confidence that the next shot's going in. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen some guys completely shoot their teams out of a game because they wouldn't stop shooting and they wouldn't stop missing. <laughs> they, they couldn't drop the ball in the ocean if they were standing on a boat. Steph, just the opposite last night. Started out 0 for 6, rebounded to score 49. He is now averaging... A skosh under 40 points a game. 39.9 points, 6.6 rebounds, and 4.3 assists over his last 10 games. So nearly 40 points a game in his last 10. A performance that has left head coach Steve Kerr at a loss for words. I don't know what else to say. You know, you guys um, ask, ask me after every game, what I think of, of Steph and his performance, and it's whatever I said last game, just use that tonight. Because it's the same thing after every game. It's just utter amazement at this guy's skill level, heart, mind, focus. Um, it's uh, just amazing to watch. Now, ESPN analyst uh, Tim Legler was on with SVP last night, and he says, just when you think you've seen it all from Curry, over his 12-year career. And I got to admit, I was shocked to see it's only been 12. It seems like Steph's been around for 20 years. Has it not? It seems like he's been around a lot longer uh, than 12 years. Anyway, uh, Tim said that uh, just when you think you've seen it all, old Steph keeps on beating down Father Time. I didn't think a guy like Steph Curry could continue to blow my mind this deep into his career. I thought I'd pretty much seen it all. And yet here he is doing it again, having the best offensive stretch of his career. And I think what he's doing is reminding everybody this was the most entertaining player in the NBA before Kevin Durant went to Golden State. And he's doing it again. And he has redefined the way you have to defend ball screens. And you can't ask Joel Embiid to be that no. far out on the floor at 7'1", 275 pounds. There's no way Embiid can cover that kind of ground. He looked pretty gassed to me. Doc Rivers tried to explain it by saying, well, we don't want our bigs up too much because then Steph splits the double teams or goes around the big guy. And I'm saying, yeah, well, that's what you need to make Steph do because when he's rolling like this, those shots are practice shots. And you're giving up three at a time to a guy like Curry when he's this hot if your big is not up on those screens. And he is reminding us all, this is 
the most entertaining player in the NBA when he's going like this. Um, so to be able to do it this late, Scott, at 33, I think the reason it's happening, he missed a lot of time the last two years with injuries, and I truly believe in watching him, it has revitalized his legs. He is running, chasing down shots almost in a manic fashion, the way that he used to back in the day when he was a unanimous MVP. And man, has he helped save the regular season in the NBA with all these guys missing time because what he is doing right now is so fun to watch. And the NBA just gave us the best four days of the season, starting Friday night with Celtics Warriors. Great games over the weekend and more tonight. Hopefully this is all a prelude to what we're going to see in the postseason. Tim, we're older now than we used to be. Someday when we're truly old men and someone tells us that there's a better shooter than Steph Curry, what we, what we, I'll make this vow to you. I will stand my old ass up and I will fight that person because that's not true. This is the best shooter of a basketball that's ever lived. Any disagreement? No, I can be reincarnated five times. I'm never going to see a guy like Steph Curry. And, and the thing is, he is so far, in my opinion, he is so far ahead of whoever you want to debate a second. It's really mind-blowing that a guy could, be, could separate himself with that skill that all players pick up first. That's the first thing you learn how to do it three years old to shoot a basketball and you think about all the guys that have done it he has separated himself by such a dimension that it's almost incomprehensible at what he's doing and i'm glad we're getting one more at least of these runs out of steph curry and hopefully many more to come svp getting involved talking about throwing hands i don't want no part of that i want none if you say that steph curry isn't the best shooter ever SVP is going to beat you down. No thanks. Not surprisingly, by the way, uh, as Curry enjoys one of the, if not the best stretches of his career, the Warriors are on one of their best stretches of the season. They've won five of their last six games. Uh, They are currently ninth in the West. But nine of their last 14 games will be against teams that are under 500. So as Curry goes, the Warriors go, and they could go to the playoffs. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll stick with the NBA, sort of. One player, one big-time player declaring for the NBA draft yesterday. We'll talk about that next. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. After Gonzaga or Gonzaga, tomato, tomato, whatever. Although I never understood that. I never understood that song or whatever because I've never ever once run into anybody who's ever pronounced it tomato. Like nobody. Maybe somebody with an accent. Maybe. I, I don't know. But I I never got that. You say tomato, I say tomato. No, you don't because nobody pronounces it that way. Anyway, uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, whatever. After the Zags, how about that? Made uh, their undefeated run through this past season, of course, coming up short in the national title game against Baylor. It wasn't a matter of if freshman Jalen Suggs was going to declare for the NBA draft, but simply when? And that question was answered yesterday on ESPN's The Jump. I will be uh, entering my name uh, into the NBA draft 
uh, signing on the agency. Uh, super excited. Uh, you know, I can't wait to take this, uh, this next step in my journey. You know, something I've dreamed about since I've been a little kid. Um, and to be here now is uh, surreal, and I'm ready to get going. Congratulations, Jalen. That's incredible. Uh, Jalen, uh, congratulations on uh, the decision, this next chapter for you. you know, your, your father, Larry, told me that you were playing against fourth graders when you were in kindergarten. You were playing against sixth graders when you were in the second grade. And obviously at Gonzaga, you, know, you had an older team that you led. How do you think that might help you when you get to the NBA and then at 19 or 20, as a point guard, you are asked to lead you know, older players from that, from that point guard position? Um, I mean, I think it's helped me a lot, you know, going in the locker room uh, and kind of commanding vets, you know, and being that presence, um, you know, that they can look at and, you know, for leadership and things like that, you know, I think it's a quality that is built, you know, inside of you. Uh, it's, you know, something that I've been practicing since I've been a little kid, um, you know, coming up playing always with older competition and with older guys. And uh, it's something that I feel like I can come in, even though I'm young, uh, you know, new rookie to the league. Uh, you know, I can be someone in the locker room who always leads by example um, and is ready to go put in, you know, all the work, you know, for the team, for the organization, you know, and for uh, whatever city, uh, you know, I'll be joining. Now, Suggs made that announcement on the jump from his home in Minnesota which will come into play here in just a second. Uh, Suggs is a 6'4 point guard, only 19 years old. And you heard him say that he has hired an agent. He's on with an agency, so that means that he cannot return to school. Not that he would want to. I mean, he's a surefire lottery pick. Uh, ESPN has him ranked third in its list of top 100 NBA prospects. He'll probably be one of the first three players taken uh, in this year's draft, along with two more freshmen, Oklahoma State's Cade Cunningham and uh, USC big man Evan Mobley. Suggs averaged 14.4 points, 5.3 boards, 4.5 assists, and just under two steals a game. And he did all of that averaging less than 30 minutes a game. Because, look, Gonzaga just blew people out this year. They had a wealth of talent, so he didn't have to play the full 40. Can you imagine his numbers if he played the full 40 or, you know, 38, 39, whatever? So he makes the jump on the jump to the NBA. Now, just in case uh, you planned on losing sleep over Suggs leaving Gonzaga for the big show, uh, don't. Because also yesterday, the Zags landed Chet Holmgren, the number one ranked senior in the country. And who, oh, by the way, is the projected number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft. You talk about the rich getting richer, here you go. Holmgren chose Gonzaga over North Carolina, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota, Memphis, and Georgetown. Now, just in case you're wondering how Minnesota somehow made that list, Holmgren played at Minnehaha Academy in Minnesota. He also considered skipping college altogether and heading straight to the NBA G League. Now, I said earlier, that Jalen Suggs made his announcement from his home in Minnesota. 
Holmgren played at Minnehaha Academy in Minnesota. So I should probably mention that Holmgren, he is very good friends and played AAU ball with Jalen Suggs. So you talk about helping Mark Few in the recruiting just a bit. There you go. Suggs, who is leaving, Holmgren coming in and take his place. Very good friends. Suggs was the highest-ranked recruit in Gonzaga history, but that now, that honor belongs to Holmgren. He is the first number one ranked prospect to commit to Gonzaga. In his senior season at Minnehaha, I can't say that enough, by the way. Side note here, a little sidebar action. When I was a kid, right, many uh, many kids my age, and if you were around my age, you, you know when you were a, a young lad, uh, we played with matchbox cars, right? I guess you'd have to be a young lad. You could have been a, a young girl as well playing with matchbox cars. And that's, that's one of the things we did. We collected matchbox cars. And you had the carrying case. And I don't even know, do they even make matchbox cars anymore? The little tiny. Anyway, point being, one of my favorite matchbox cars ever was the Mini Haha. There was an actual matchbox car Named the mini, and I loved it because of the name. The name is absolutely ridiculous. But I love saying it. So anyway, in his senior season at Minnehaha, Holmgren, who is a seven-foot-one center. Look at these numbers. These numbers are just, uh, just ridiculous. He averaged 20.8 points, 12.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, <clears throat> Numbers are so great, I'm choking up over here. <coughs> I'm choking up my own spit. All right, so let's start over. 20.8 points, 12.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and 4.7 blocks a game. He shot 80% from the field. <laughs> 80%. That is, that's embarrassing. 80%. Dude made eight out of every 10 shots he took. All of that as Minnehaha uh, won its fourth straight Minnesota Triple Eight state title. In that title game, Holmgren went for 18 points, 13 boards. And seven assists. And they won that game, oh, by the way, 80 <laughs> to 29. Can you imagine making it to a state title game and losing 80 to 29? First of all, can you imagine going to a state title game and facing a seven foot one center? And on top of that, scoring 29 points. And the kicker is, he is the second five-star recruit to join Gonzaga in the last few weeks. The Zags also landed number three point guard Hunter Salas back in March. So, 
You want to talk about Mark Few and the Zags is building an absolute powerhouse up there in Spokane. And we talked about this when the NCAA tournament was going on and they were you know, going through that, that undefeated run until the final game of the season. How the Zags are no longer this little darling. They're no longer this Cinderella. They're no longer this feel-good story. Right? They're no longer this, you know, little train that could. Like, they are turning into an absolute juggernaut. Now, it hasn't paid off in national titles yet. But when you're landing guys like Hunter Salas and Chet Holmgren, the number one recruit in the country, you... No, you're no longer the underdog, right? The underdog story has already been written. That The underdog chapter for Gonzaga is already written. It's already been closed. It's done. Now you have to start talking about Gonzaga in the same rarefied air as, as the what we call the Blue Bloods, right? Not that they have the same history, but it, like right now, you have to talk about them with the big clubs from the Big 12, the ACC, the Big 10. I mean, they can compete with anybody. When you can lose a guy like Jalen Suggs and replace him with a couple top three recruits. Now, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I do have to go back to the whole conference thing just one more time. Because the one, I don't want to call it a blemish, but the one the one thing that just leads me to pause when talking about Gonzaga and how, how good they've been is that West Coast Conference. Because it's horrible. It's horrible. And we thought that Gonzaga dominated that conference before. They're going to be unbeatable. They're going to, because BYU and Santa Clara and Pepperdine, they're not getting these recruits. Those teams aren't landing these kind of players to compete. I would like to, just as, uh, I don't know, something to do. I would really like to compare recruiting classes, like when all is said and done. Compare Gonzaga's recruiting class to the rest of the teams in the West Coast Conference. Because I think it would be embarrassing. The fact that Gonzaga is still in the West Coast is actually embarrassing. Loyola Marymount isn't landing the number one recruit in the country. Okay? Pacific isn't getting the number three point guard in the country. San Francisco isn't going to have a top 10 recruiting class. Neither will the Portland Pilots. Think about that for a second. Gonzaga plays in the same conference as the Portland Pilots. Did you even know (laughs) there was a University of Portland 
and they were nicknamed the Pilots? Or the San Diego Toreros? This is the competition that Gonzaga has in the West Coast Conference. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. When every team under the sun was changing conferences, right? Pitt, Syracuse leaving the Big East for the ACC. West Virginia leaving the Big East for Big 12. Everybody's shuffling around. Gonzaga should have jumped. They should have jumped. Now, maybe the opportunity wasn't there. I don't know. And I say this to take nothing away from what Mark Few has done. I mean, you're you're doing something right when you land the number one recruit in the entire country in Mr. Chet Holmgren. And they always schedule strong in the non-conference. Always. Because they have to. Because their conference stinks. And that as we talked about in the NCAA tournament, I think has hurt them because they play a tough non-con schedule early and then they get to the West Coast and they just put it on cruise control. They are not tested at all in the West Coast. Not a bit. And I don't mean to disrespect like BYU and Santa Clara. I don't. But they, they're not in the same atmosphere. They're not even in the same realm same universe as Gonzaga when it comes to the players that they're getting. So the Zags play a tough schedule early, hit cruise control in the West Coast Conference, hit the NCAA tournament, and they just they simply can't get over the hump because when they're finally pressed, when they're finally up against quality teams game after game after game, they fall short. It's why they got their butts handed to them against Baylor in the title game. Anyway, coming full circle. I went off on a tangent there again. I know I did. It, just, it bothers me. It just bothers me. That they play in that conference. Take nothing away from Mark Few. He's done a, he's done a great job. He's built a powerhouse there when you're landing recruits like this. But that conference, just it, it's, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. They take advantage of it, and it also hurts them at the same time. All right, uh, one final break of the hour. Uh, Then we'll be back to wrap up hour number one. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Reminder tonight, programming note, Nationals baseball right here. The Nats, uh, game two of their three-game series against the Cardinals at Nationals Park, uh, pregame 635, first pitch at 7.05. So as I am cruising the interwebs on the uh, Twitter machine during the break, this question pops up. It's from uh, Houston, Sports Talk 790. And I don't, I don't know the context behind this question, but they put it online here. It says, which one of these would you wait 12 hours in line for? A movie, a concert, a sporting event, or a shoe release? Which one of these would you wait 12 hours in line for? A movie, a concert, a sporting event, or a shoe release? Uh, How about none of them? 
Is that an option? Can I pick uh, option E? <clears throat> None of the above. I'm not waiting 12 hours in line for anything. Maybe if you give me 10 million bucks. Something has, it, 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 it will have to transport me into another dimension for me to, <laughs> to wait 12. I'm certainly not waiting 12 hours in line for a shoe release. I can get that on uh, Amazon or eBay and not have to wait in line at all. A sporting? I, I, no, I'm not. No, I can't stand waiting two minutes in line to drive through, let alone twelve hours for anything. That's half a day. That, <laughs> that's half a day. Now, if I absolutely had to pick one of those four, of course it would be a sporting event. Of course. Of course it would. But it would have to be something like the Super Bowl or, you know, the World Series. It has to, or a cup, it had to be something big. You know, I'm not waiting 12 hours in line for tickets to go see, you know, Lions Vikings in week two of the NFL season. It would have to be something pretty uh, outstanding and amazing, mind-blowing, if you will, for me to wait 12 hours in line for it. I mean, it just it would have to be. On another note uh, that I saw here on Twitter, remember back when the Orioles swept the Red Sox to open the season? That seems like it was three years ago. Buster Olney, bust a bus. Of course, longtime ESPN baseball analyst, expert guru, just posted these numbers on Twitter. Here are the Red Sox offensive rankings among all teams in Major League Baseball. They are first in runs, first in hits, first in doubles, eighth in home runs, second in on-base percentage, and first in OPS. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. That that three-game sweep at the hand of the O's, April 1st, right? First, third, and fourth, whatever it was, that seems like it was eons ago. Red Sox absolutely mashing. Speaking of dominance, the Dodgers, who of course we know, defending World Series champs, favored to win another one this year. They have now been favored, speaking of which, in 96 straight games. Dating back to the final game of the 2019 season against the Nationals. They have been favored (laughs) in 134 of their last 136 games. Now look, I I don't go to the window with baseball. I find it incredibly difficult. That's, that's a pretty staggering number right there. When we talk about dominance, they've been favored in all but two of their last 136 games. That's incredible. Big series this week. Big series this week. Dodgers-Padres. Right? Some NL West bragging rights. Dominance on the line early in the season. All right. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two around the corner doing push-ups. When we come back, A lot of high school hoops talk. Stick around. 
FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Every now and then you realize, uh, if you are in this business long enough, uh, you know when the radio gods have smiled upon you. And that just happened to me a couple minutes ago. (laughs) One of the very first things you learn in broadcasting school is that when you're not on the air, you make sure your microphone's off. As soon as you go to break, whether you're doing a show like this or if you're doing play-by-play, whatever it is, anytime you're doing live radio, you go to break. The very first thing you should do is cut your mic. Well, I went to break last hour, five minutes till, and I'm sitting here and I'm perusing the interwebs, and I reach over and I grab my bottle of water to take a swig, and I pop the cap on it and realize uh, I could hear it in my headphones. And then I look over. And my mic was still up. It was still, as we say in the business, a hot mic. And thankfully, that was the only thing that could be heard on the air during the break. Because uh, every now and then, during breaks, uh, there are things that will come out of my mouth that are not suitable uh, for on the air, or quite frankly, even off the air. Certain things (laughs) that are not fit for man, woman, nor child. So one of those instances where the radio gods definitely smiling upon me because I was a moron and left my mic up uh, during the break. Anyway, just a little little cautionary tale for you youngsters out there who want to get into the uh, broadcasting biz. Write it down. Put it to memory. Make sure your microphone's off. All right. uh, Let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. We will start in Major League Baseball where the Cardinals did some yard work at Nationals Park. So it's DeYoung at the plate and the pitch. That ball is hit high in the air to left field. It's back to the track. To the wall, Slater! Paul DeYoung has hit his second home run of the game. A big fly, Paul DeYoung, and the Cardinals tack on four more. My goodness, did that ball carry. The call on KMOX. Again, I did not add the music under that call. It was from uh, the ESPN national feed. Five home runs for St. Louis. Two by Paul DeYoung, including that grand slam right there as the Cards beat the Nats 12-5 to take the first game of their three-game set. Washington starter Joe Ross gave up four of those home runs. He lasted just four and a third innings, giving up ten runs on eight hits and three walks. Game two of the series tonight. Catch the game right here on Cumberland's ESPN Radio pregame 635. Uh, First pitch, 705. The Pirates and Orioles were off last night. The Bucs open a three-game series tonight at Detroit. The O's also on the road, opening a series at Miami. 
in the NBA. Don't look now. But the Wizards are back in playoff contention. Bounce pass, though. Cutting Beal gets under the basket. Right corner, Neto. Back out front of Westbrook for three. Oh, it's there. Oh, it's there. That ball went around the world. And in the basket, 114-105. Wizards, a giant DC three with 3.38 to go. Oh, it's there. It's there. The call on Federal News Radio. Bradley Beal, 30 points. Russell Westbrook, his 26th triple-double of the year. And a 119-107 Wizards win over OKC in D.C. Westbrook went for 13 points, 17 assists, and 11 rebounds. Davis Bertans had 21 points for the Wizards, who have won five straight and seven of their last eight. Washington now just four and a half games out of a playoff spot in the East. And girls high school basketball tonight, something we'll get into in more detail here in just a bit. Kaiser and Hampshire both in action with spots in the state tournament on the line. Kaiser on the road to take on undefeated North Marion. Hampshire will host Weir. In boys section action in Quad A, Preston is at University. In Double A, Moorefield is at Petersburg. And in Single A, East Hardy is hosting Union. Harmon is at unbeaten Pendleton County, and Pocahontas County is at Tigers Valley. And tonight on the ice, the Penguins are hosting the Devils. New Jersey has lost six straight games. And that is your rock around the region once again brought to you by the Caporale Group. All right, so as I mentioned, uh, the girls' regional playoffs get underway tonight. In West Virginia, when all is said and done after tonight's action, eight teams in AAA will have punched their ticket to next week's state tournament in Charleston. Of course, eight teams go. So the entire AAA field will be filled this evening. Two games we'll be keeping a very close eye on will be the Region 1 co-finals. Kaiser, the Section 2 runner-up, is on the road to take on the Section 1 champion, undefeated North Marion. The Golden Tornado, 10-7 and seven this year. North Marion only played 12 games, but won them all. And all by double digits. The Huskies' closest margin of victory this year was 10 points, which happened three times. Most recently, a 64-54 win over Weir in uh, their section title game. And they also beat Hampshire by 20 uh, earlier in the season. Speaking of Hampshire, the section two champs will host that Weir team tonight. Trojans earned the right to host tonight's game by beating Kaiser last week 41-30 in their section title game, a game that was tied at 26 Heading into the fourth quarter, then Hampshire held Kaiser to four points in that uh, that final frame. Hampshire ten and four this season. Weir is six and nine. They have to get on the bus and make the really long trip to Romney. Now Brian Chase from our sister station, one hundred point one, the Wolf, right down the hall from me right now. He caught up with Hampshire head coach Julianne Buckley yesterday. To talk about tonight's game, here is that conversation right now. We have Hampshire girls basketball coach Julianne Buckley. Section champions, congratulations. 
Thank you. Uh, 41 to 30 win over Kaiser a couple nights ago. And take us back because that is a game. One thing I've learned about your teams, they all you always strive and you always stress defense. And this was definitely a strong defensive performance. I think the score was tied 26-26 after three quarters. And you guys just held them the four points in the fourth quarter. Impressive. We stressed defense a lot the week up until the game. Obviously, we stressed it all the time. Really good defensive team this year. We're a lot quicker, really getting after and focusing on our man defense. We set a goal at the beginning of the game to only hold Kaiser to 30 points. The girls were able to pull it off, and I was really proud of them. Talking to Coach Julianne Buckley, the Hampshire girls basketball coach. Now, you have a big game, obviously, Tuesday night against Weir. How important is it for this regional championship game to be at Hampshire High School in front of the home crowd? This is a very, very important game. Stress that after a regular season, it's kind of a new season. You know, everybody's zero and zero. I think we're a better team than we're. It's playoffs. And, you know, they hung with North Marion until the fourth quarter, so they're not a bad team. Still have to come out and play. You know, we're just taking the right steps to be ready for tomorrow. And what do you know about, am I getting it right, is it Weir or Where? I think it's Weir, right? I think it's Weir, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, obviously, it's not a team that you see very often. What do you know about them? Because all I could gather is they have a record of 6-9. and nine. That's all I got. They are 6-9. and nine. They only played one mutual opponent of ours, which was UHS. That They were beaten by university from about the same margin. We know that they have about a four-hour commute to get to us. Hopefully that works in our favor. Just being on our home court, we play so much better, and we get so much community support that we appreciate. The students have been going out all out for the student section. It's just huge. I mean, two years ago we made it to the state tournament, and nobody would have ever imagined it. This team, this talent, not only do they have the ability to make it to the state tournament, but we have the ability to get there and to compete. That's our goal. It's 7 o'clock Tuesday night at the House of Troy. The information I have, it's $5 for students, $8 for the general public. And of course, everybody mask up and follow all the protocols. You, you guys have played 15, six, I think 15 games. If I were to tell you back in like November or December, that you guys were going to be able to play 15, 16 regular season games and play for a berth in the uh, state tournament in front of live fans. What would you have told me if I would have told you that back around Christmas time? I mean, I thought that it was going to be a long shot, honestly. We were hopeful for the best. I think we got the best out of what we could. But I kept telling the girls, you know, we have to be prepared for the worst as well. But they were robbed of an off season and that means a lot for a group of girls that you're mixing together that hasn't had much time on a court together. I think if we could restart our season where we are now, you know, the girls are finally clicking, we're coming back from injuries and illnesses and all that stuff. I think our record would even be better. The most important thing is we're we're where we want to be for postseason and that's the goal regardless. Well coach, we commend the job that you and your coaching staff have done, not only to get your kids to play at the level that they're at and the position that they're at, but also for everybody to remain safe. Good luck Tuesday night, and let's get as many people in that gym as possible and go Trojans. Absolutely. And once again, I just want to stress, we appreciate the support always, and we hope to pack the gym with as many people as we can. So there you go. Hampshire girls coach uh, Julianne Buckley with Brian Chase from our Sister Station 100.1 The Wolf, we thank Brian once again for that audio. I am fairly certain 
if all things go as planned, Brian will have more audio for us tomorrow from Hampshire boys coach uh, Danny Alkire as they open up section play tomorrow. And look, you can't overstate, you can't, the importance of getting that home game in a game like this. It, and people, you know, sometimes they uh, poo-poo home court advantage or, home, uh, you know, home field advantage. It doesn't really mean that much. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Now, I understand things are different. There's, you know, limited capacity this season, all that other crap. But just the fact that Hampshire doesn't have to get on a bus and go four hours like Weir does, that makes a difference. That now, look, I don't know the last time you guys were on a school bus, but uh, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable at all. <laughs> it really isn't. Let alone get on a school bus like Weir has to do and travel four hours and then get off that bus and play a game. And we, you know, we tell our teams all the time to be ready off the bus. Be ready to play off the bus. Man, it's really hard when it's, you're on that bus for four hours. Maybe, maybe they're taking a charter bus. I don't know. Sometimes teams do that in the playoffs. But still, that's a long bus ride. So just that alone is very important. Not to mention the fact in basketball, you shoot better on your home court. Because you know the dimensions of your home court. You know the background, right? Because you shoot enough at a basket, you know what's behind that basket. You know how deep the wall is. You know what's on that wall, right? So it, 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 it plays a factor. So you cannot overstate the importance of a home game in the playoffs. Now, in other parts of the state tonight in the Region 2 co-finals, Philip Barber is at Lewis County. Uh, Lewis County hosting that game despite having a losing record at 7-9. And undefeated Fairmont Senior at 14-0 and 0, uh, is hosting Lincoln. In Region 3, another team with a losing record, 4-9 and 9 Shady Spring is playing at home, hosting 7-1 Midland Trail, and Pikeview is at Sissonville. And in Region 4, a great matchup, 11-3 St. Joseph's, at 14-1 and one Nitro. And in the other co-final, Logan is hosting uh, Winfield. The Quad A and Single A region co-finals are tomorrow. And then the Double A co-finals are Thursday. So after Thursday, we'll have the entire field set for next week's uh, girls' state tournament in Charleston. Now, the girls aren't the only ones in action tonight. As section play continues on the boys' side, There have only been a few section games played so far. There was one on Saturday and a handful last night. Things really uh, get into full swing beginning tonight. In double A, the uh, Region 2 sectionals get underway. In Section 1, Moorfield is at Petersburg. Uh, These teams split in the regular season. Moorfield won the season opener 58-42, and Petersburg evened things up a few weeks later, 43-40. to After that season-opening win, Moorfield lost 11 straight games before ending the regular season with back-to-back wins over uh, Pocahontas County and Kaiser. 
Now, winner of tonight's game moves on to face Frankfurt on Friday for the Section 1 championship. In Section 2 tonight, number 3 Braxton County is at number 2 South Harrison. They, for whatever reason, only met once in the regular season. Usually you play teams in your section uh, twice. They only played once, and that was a 67-66 South Harrison win back on March 16th. Winner of tonight's game will meet top-seeded Clay County on Friday for that uh, section title. Now, speaking of Clay County, the Panthers got some love from our uh, high school insiders, Joe Bricado and Greg Carey, who broke down the double-A playoff field on uh, WVMetroNews.com. Joe Bricado and Greg Carey here to break down the upcoming boys' high school basketball playoffs in Class AA. We'll take a look at the biggest surprise, the toughest of the four regions, and the favorite to win it all in Charleston. So we'll start with the biggest surprise, Greg. Got the Clay County Panthers, a team that you got to see last week, and I know that it wasn't the result they desired in, at Glenville State in that LKC event, but a team that's had an outstanding season nonetheless, and they're 10-3 and overall. They've got some quality wins. Namely, I like the way they're playing down the stretch. A recent victory over Bra- uh, Braxton County and Webster County both show that they're kind of peaking at the right time. You took my answer. I agree with the Panthers. And, and despite losing to Williamstown in the LKC final, I was very impressed with what I saw from that squad and uh, a region that sets up pretty favorably for them. I would certainly expect them to get to Charleston and certainly maybe hang around for a little while at the state tournament. you got Region 4, and you look at the top of it with both Charleston Catholic and Polka. You've got two teams that expect to be probably playing for a state championship and winning one. And then you look at a little bit of the depth behind it. You can't ever count Ravenswood out at this time of the year. Mick Price, obviously a veteran coach, and he's got a lot of wins in these kind of spots and has done it before, and he's been there before, so I expect them to give a lot of teams trouble. I'm going to go with Region 1, and there's not a lot of depth in the six-team region, but one of these three very strong programs is not going to be able to make it to states. Williamstown, St. Mary's, or Magnolia, and there's only room for two of them. So I think Region 1 stands out. Who is the favorite in Class AA? I went back and forth on this several times. Ultimately, I settled on Polka. I think you could make a very sound case for both Williamstown and Charleston Catholic as well. But I've got the dots. I think when you have Isaac McNeely, who's probably going to be the best player on the court in any game that he's playing, you've always got a chance. And then when you take a coach like Alan Osborne in the tournament setting, he can win playing slow. He can win scoring points. I like Polka at this time of the year. I went back and forth with those three teams that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and I certainly think that Charleston Catholic is very much in the conversation. But I'm going to go with Williamstown, and I might be prisoner of the moment from what I saw Monday night in the LKC final, but I think that team uh, has a lot of staying power. I, I think with, with Xavier Crothers and Sam Kermeens leading the way, but also some depth that has developed behind them. I think Yellow Jackets are the team to watch, certainly, in Class AA. All right, so there you go. Uh, Double A breakdown. No idea what happened in the middle there. That glitch. When I listened to it earlier this morning, it was fine. Then go to play it on the air, and there's a glitch. Technology, uh, it is what it is. Uh, More from those guys in just a bit. Tonight in Quad A, Region 1, Section 2, number 4 Preston hits the road to play at a top-seeded university. And Buchanan Upshur is hosting Bridgeport in the 2-3 game. Uh, Preston had a tough regular season. Uh, they went 5-12. and University is 8-1, and but hasn't played since March 30th. Their last seven games of the regular season were canceled. Now, they did score a uh, 73-48 win over Preston back on uh, March 26th. 
with a complete breakdown of the, hopefully it's a complete one this time, of the Quad A playoff field. Let's go back to the guys at Metro News. Joe Bricado and Greg Carey here to take a look at the upcoming boys basketball playoffs, which will start Saturday for some teams next week for many more. Just like we did with the girls a week ago, we'll talk about the biggest surprise team in each class, the toughest region, and the favorites. So let's start with your biggest surprise in class Quad A. I went with Buckhannon Upshur, a team that I actually got to see for the first time this season last Monday at Grafton, and a team I was very impressed with, particularly offensively. Travis Foster's done a nice job kind of changing the culture of that program. With an 11-4 and record, the Bucks have had an outstanding season. I'm going to say Wheeling Park, a team that enters the playoffs with a 9-4 and record. They face some of the toughest teams in Morgantown and University. Been very competitive with them, despite losing a ton off of last year's team. Michael Jebbia's club doing a pretty good job, and they'll be a tough out wherever they go in the playoffs. Your toughest region. I've got region one, which consists of Buckhannon Upshur, the team I just spoke about, and then Morgantown University, and the one you just picked is your biggest surprise as well in Wheeling Park. And then when you round it out with a team like Bridgeport, obviously a lot of depth there, but Morgantown and University obviously capable of being there on championship Saturday. Wheeling Park's had a very good season, and then I think the improvement of Buckhannon Upshur, and then you look at Bridgeport being competitive with a number of those teams, makes it the toughest region. Since you took Region 1, I'm going to go with Region 3. A couple of teams that could be tough outs. I still think Capital is is a strong enough side to pose some problems. South Charleston as well. I do think GW is obviously a favorite to get through that region. And I still think Beckley, despite a record that is not very Beckley-like, is going to be uh, heard from before it's all said and done. Your favorite in Class Quad A. I went with Morgantown, team that, you know, with only one loss on its record and having faced an extremely challenging schedule. Dave Tallman's taken his team to various points across the state, everywhere from the Eastern Panhandle to Beckley, and obviously they've had a lot of success. But a team that really prides itself on the defensive end, and I like the depth that they have, comfortably going 7-8 deep. I think that bodes well in the tournament. I'm going to go with George Washington. Very impressed with the way they played the other night in the MSAC final against Huntington. Just one blip on their record this year with a loss at Beckley, but I do think that GW has enough depth and enough uh, talent at the guard positions to certainly make a run. All right, so there you go. The guys liking G-Dub and Motown out of a quad A. When we come back, time for a break. Got some news and weather coming up. When we come back, we'll hear from the guys once again as they break down the triple A and single A uh, playoff fields in boys West Virginia hoops. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the morning rush. Before I get into, uh, before I move on, let me just say this. Yesterday, uh, when I left here, when I was finished up, I went to uh, the grocery store right down the road here. And a couple weeks ago, I got a new car. All right, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not a new new car. It's a used car, but it's it's new to me. And uh, it's a, it's a nice ride. All right, it's a nice ride. And so I take care of it. So I go to the grocery store yesterday, and I park like as far away from the store that I possibly can. Like I pick one of the furthest empty spots away to, to keep people away from my car, to keep, you know, shopping carts, car doors, right? All that stuff. I don't mind the walk, you know, the extra whatever, the extra steps to the, the door. 
So I pull into the parking lot, and just as soon as I'm ready to get out of my car, this minivan pulls up and parks right next to me. There are 200 other empty spots that this van could have pulled into at that particular point in time. And she decides to pull up right next to me. Now, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. Now, I had my mask on, so I was muttering some uh, obscenities under my breath. But I'm like, lady, I did not park all the way, all this far down. It wasn't a suggestion for you to do the same. It was to get away from you. So just keep that in mind, everybody. If you have 200 empty spots to choose, don't pick one next to somebody else. Especially with your beat-up old minivan next to a, a brand new car. A relatively new, I should say. This is that kind of stuff that aggravates me. It's the reason why I won't live past like 65. Because one of those things is going to happen, and I'm just going to, and just fall over dead. It's just done. <laughs> Parked there for a reason. Now, look, if the parking lot was full, if it was packed, I get it. If you don't have options, I get it. But there were just there were 200 spots open. Closer to the store. Get away from me. Go. Anyway. So back to high school hoops. I just wanted to, you know, uh, get that off my chest there. In a single A tonight, we have some sectional matchups that we will be uh, paying close attention to as soon as I can scroll down and find them because I closed down my other page. Uh, in Region 2, in Section 1, number 3, Union, is that number 2, East Hardy. Winner uh, moves on the face, number 1, Tucker County, on Thursday. And in Section 2, two games tonight, number 4, Harmon, is that undefeated and number 1, Pendleton County, and number 3, Pocahontas County, is that number two, Tigers Valley. Winners of those two games will meet at the higher seed on Friday. So the Section 1 title game on Thursday, Section 2 title game on Friday. Let's go back to our guys in Morgantown, uh, Joe Bercato and Greg Carey, with a primer, a look, a breakdown of the Class A playoff field. Greg, who is your biggest surprise in Class A? I got the James Monroe Mavericks, a team that I got my first look at a couple weeks ago in Beckley, a team that plays a fun style to watch. They get up and down the court. They spread you out. They like to take a lot of threes. They like to shoot the ball in transition and shoot the ball early into possessions. I know they recently took their first loss, but I think that's a tough matchup. I really like Eli Allen. He's a versatile player. can play inside and outside. I was impressed with him. And I think James Monroe has a good enough starting five and enough depth to make a run in the postseason. I'm going to go with the Tucker County Mountain Lions. As we record this, they're 10-4, and four, and certainly a region that sets up pretty favorably for them to get back to Charleston, uh, trying to rekindle the uh, glory days of the Tom Gutschall era. But I certainly do think that Tucker County is headed back in the right direction. The toughest of the four regions. I've got region three, basically because I don't really know who I like to come out of this region. I think there's 
a number of, you know, maybe four to five teams that you can make a good case for, starting with that James Monroe team I just talked about, and then Greater Beckley Christian was able to hand the Mavericks their first loss this past week. But then you look a little deeper, Greenbrier West is dangerous, Webster County's got a lot of talent, so I like the depth in that region. I'm going to go with Region 4 because they have what I think is the toughest individual section, where you've got Mann, who's widely regarded as perhaps the best Class A team in the state, a Tulsa squad that just defeated Huntington earlier this week, and Tug Valley as well, a team that's obviously very strong. Who is the favorite, Greg, in Class A? I'm going with the man team that you just spoke about. Uh, One loss this year, very close and competitive game. I know that you got to see against Logan. They obviously could be unbeaten, but the way they score the ball, I mean, some of their scores just really stick out to you. Uh, Above 90 points, recently surpassed 100 in a win over Nicholas County. So I think man is very talented offensively, and I like them to cut the nets down. Just like we did in Class AAA, on this one we agree. I go with the man, Hillbillies, to be the favorite heading into the state playoffs. I think their front line depth was very, very impressive, and that's the biggest take away that I had from seeing them earlier this year. So I think until further notice, man is the team to beat. Right, and speaking of class AAA, we have one class left and that's it. Now, most of the action won't be until tomorrow. There have been a handful of games played in AAA, but those section playoffs really get in a full swing tomorrow. Of course, tomorrow night in region one, section two, we'll have Kaiser at Hampshire, Berkeley Springs at Trinity. We'll talk about those games more tomorrow. So, we got one class left. Let's not wait till tomorrow. Let's just get over with now. Back to the guys in Morgantown, Joe Bricado, Greg Carey, on their AAA breakdown. Joe Bricado and Greg Carey here to break down the class AAA playoffs in boys' high school basketball, just as we've done in the previous segments. We'll take a look at the biggest surprise, the toughest region, and the favorite. We may have some agreements here, but who is your biggest surprise? I've got Herbert Hoover, a team that has had a good season to this point, only three losses by a total of nine points. So you flip a couple plays in the games that they have lost, and this is a Herbert Hoover team that could easily be coming into the postseason without a loss period or maybe with one or two. They've put together a pretty challenging schedule. They've got a quality win over Winfield. They've lost tough games to Logan, Nitro, and Chapmanville. We know kind of the stature of those programs. So this is a team that I expect to be heard from over the next couple weeks. I'm going to go with another Cardinal Conference team and look at Winfield. Without a question, the best general team since our producer Taylor Kennedy uh, was sporting the green jersey and a team that has won six out of seven as we record this 11-5 overall. And that victory over Polka, I think, stands out very big. Toughest region in Class AAA. I've got Region 2, and namely because when you look at the top of the region, Robert C. Bird, Fairmont Sr., two of the top contenders in Class AAA, but you take a school like Notre Dame, and one of those three can't make the state tournament. So obviously when you talk about the Irish and the success that they've had over the last six to eight years as a program, and then the quality of the schedule and team that they've put together this year, you'd have to think that they may be third in the pecking order right now, but certainly no one would be surprised to see them get to Charleston. And a Grafton team that uh, knocked off Notre Dame early in the season in that region as well. I'm going to go with Region 4, and I think there's some pretty good depth there. You have a Nitro team on the rise. I already spoke about Winfield. And then in the other section, you've got a pretty good Scott team, a pretty good Lincoln County team, and we know what Logan is as well. I think we agree on who the favorite is. I've got Robert C. Bird. I think the overall body of work, when you look at not only the challenging schedule they face, but beating Morgantown once. Obviously, the Mohegans got them back at their place and then a close win last week that you got to see against Fairmont Senior. But maybe it's just Robert C. Bird's time. You know, they've had some very good teams in the last eight to ten years, haven't ultimately been able to win a state championship. But I think Bill Bennett is obviously still very hungry for one, and I expect the Eagles to be there when all is said and done. A lot of similarities with Robert C. Bird to their 2014 team where they – had success built up and ultimately got to the state championship game in 14. I think this is very similar. 
So there you go. Guys like RCB come out of AAA. It's a good pick. Now, if you miss any of those, you want to go back and listen to them again, or if you want to, you know, keep tabs on the uh, the section, the boys sectionals, the girls regionals. It's all on our mothership's website, uh, wvmetronews.com. Just click on sports, drop down menu, high school sports. It's all right there for you. Get it here, get it there, get it everywhere. All right, one final break. And back to wrap up the show after this. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about this guy right here? Play is underway. Patrick Motto has skated into immortality tonight as he has played 1,768 games. The call on Sharks Audio Network, Patrick Marlowe, delivered for the 1,768th time last night, taking the ice against the Vegas Golden Knights to break the record for most games played in NHL history. The 41-year-old Marlowe broke the record held by Mr. Hockey himself, Gordie Howe, who set the record over 26 seasons. Marlowe has played 23 seasons. Last night's game was also Marlowe's 899th straight, which is the second longest active Ironman streak in the NHL. Gordie Howe held that record since November 1961. And Patrick Marlowe breaks it last night. Marlowe's first game, October 1st, 1997. And he breaks the all-time games played record uh, last night, 1,768. Patrick Marlowe, the player who delivered, again, uh, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. All right, before I get out of here, I wanted to bring this up. I don't know much about it. I don't follow soccer. I just don't. But it seems like this is a pretty big deal. Uh, 12 of Europe's top clubs announced Sunday. They are launching a Super League, the ESL, the Euro Super League, which is headed up by Real Madrid president Florentino Perez. Now, there will be 15 founding clubs. Another five can qualify annually based on their achievement in the previous season which is kind of kind of like the way they do it with the EuroLeague basketball. ESPN soccer analyst Gab Marcotti says it could be something similar to one of our biggest sporting events here in the U.S. Yeah, look, I think uh, an easy analogy to this is maybe the NCAA tournament, right? You, you earn your way in um, by, by how you perform in your, in your conference. Uh, now imagine that certain big schools say, hey, look, I generate more revenue. I'm a better school. I want my place in that tournament guaranteed, uh, even if I finished 5 and 25. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. A number of clubs, 12 in total, have uh, basically put forward a proposal where, um, for a new tournament that they would run themselves. And the big talking point is that 15 of those uh, 20 clubs would be founder clubs and they would be guaranteed a spot in that tournament every year, come what may. Not every. 
not everybody's on board with this uh, Super League. Some people say it's bad uh, for the game. Uh, Taylor Twelman says that a move like this had been rumored for several years now, but push finally came to shove in the form of the pandemic. And Taylor was on with uh, SVP. When you look at the pandemic and the impact that it had, 11 of these 12 teams lost $1.2 billion combined in one season, Scott. So you just knew at some point something was going to come along. Now, I chuckle at the idea that FIFA and UEFA are now our moral high ground in this sport, <laughs> which is remarkable to say the least. But that's the way they've set it up, right? Remember, what, what did Seth Blatter say? I'm the president of everybody. So One more time. Uh, one more time. I'm now the president of everybody. Okay, carry on. <laughs> oh, it is amazing when you really think about it. I don't know, Scott. It, it, it's crazy to honestly sit here, look into this camera, and say, here we are. And you're then going to ask me, what does this look like in the future? I don't know that answer, buddy. I honestly have no idea what this looks like because this is really these 12 clubs coming in, dropping a bomb right in the middle and say, you know what? That 100 years plus of tradition, history, and sporting merit, we're going to blow it up. How important to this ultimately is PSG being one of those teams? If, if, it, if they're one of them, oh. does that mean we're done here? It's over. Absolutely, Scott. It is a great question because that is the one team where everyone is looking at. PSG has a massive, massive impact in, in UEFA and for, and for multiple reasons. And so if Paris says, you know what, we're in, this thing's rocking and rolling and it's on. And good on Germany for holding their ground and sticking with tradition. But if PSG says we're in, how does Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund say we can't do this? They're going to lose out on $4 billion each. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and the I mean, there's so many layers here, and I don't want to go off on too many tangents, but like this World Cup question, and we can laugh about Seth Blatter, Seth Blatter saying I'm the president of everybody, but like FIFA trying to say you won't be able to play in the World Cup, according to who? How, like, how do they have right that governs there? Like, how can you, how could they say that? They can't. They can't. Scott, you know what the real, the real X factor in all this is the players. And no sure. one wants to talk about the players, but what if the players all came together and said, we're not doing it? Well, then there's nothing. The problem is there's so much money involved in this Super League that these clubs can then say, oh, you're on 400000 a week right now? How's 800000 a week just to play in these midweek games? And then these players got to make massive decisions. This thing is way, way more complicated than we're even getting into. It's so complicated to the fact that UK government is now saying, no, 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 we're getting involved. We're going to stop this. Scott, it's just remarkable of where it is and where sports is. And you've done a fantastic job on this show throughout the entire process of illustrating what the impacts are in sports from the pandemic. This one is the most seismic shift that we're ever going to see in any sport that we have in this country. I just can't believe we're here, and I feel awful for those fans because they truly are the lifeblood of this sport, and they have been for over 100 years, and that may go away. So I guess we have to deal with uh, super teams in the NBA. Now we have super leagues in soccer. And a lot of players not happy. Like a number of the top players under contract with the uh, Premier League clubs, like uh, Man United, Man City, Liverpool, they have concerns about uh, UEFA's threat to ban them from playing for their countries in international tournaments if this Super League comes about. So something to keep an eye on, whether it happens or not, who knows. Again, I by no means am a soccer expert. Don't follow it all that much. The fact that I knew those teams was pretty impressive, to me anyway. But it's something that's going to be followed on a world scale, so I figured it was you know worth mentioning. Uh, tonight, don't forget, Nationals baseball 
a game two or a three-game series against the Cardinals. Catch it right here. Pre-game, 635. First pitch, 705. All right, that's it. I'm done. Enjoy your day. See you back here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, I see you.